The Healthy Charleston podcast is brought to you by Made to Move Physical Therapy. Made to Move Physical Therapy specializes in helping you get out of pain and get back to doing what you love. We offer relationship-oriented, one-on-one, individualized care to all of our clients, and we believe in putting the patient's needs first. If you'd like to work with me or any of our other physical therapists at Made to Move, check out the link in the show notes and get 10% off of your first session. We have locations throughout Charleston, Mount Pleasant, West Ashley, Somerville, and Daniel Island. Don't waste another day stuck in your pain. Follow the link and schedule an appointment today. Welcome to the Healthy Charleston Podcast, where we help you take ownership of your health and fitness. My name is Hannah, and I am here to be your source of accurate health and fitness information while spreading awareness about all of the different health and fitness resources available to you in the Charleston area. Be sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I'm Hannah. I'm a physical therapist. And as your host, it's my goal to give you accurate and realistic health information and give you simple tools and tips that you can start using today to improve your health. So on today's episode, I got to talk with Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, the founder of the Fit Father Project and the Fit Mother Project. So at the age of nine, Dr. Anthony experienced a pretty pivotal moment in his childhood when he watched his own father work so much that he succumbed to illness and actually passed away at the young age of 42. And again, Anthony was nine at the time. So this event really inspired him to dedicate his his life and his career to helping busy fathers and mothers aged 40 and older learn how to lose weight, build muscle, and improve their overall health really for the sake and well-being of their families and the enjoyment of their lives. So as a licensed naturopathic doctor in Arizona, Dr. Balducci also holds dual degrees in nutrition and psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, and he's also a former national champion bodybuilder, which is cool. Um, and Dr. Balduzzi has helped over 60,000 families across more than 100 countries through his Fit Father and Fit Mother programs. So on this episode, he gives us a ton of simple and valuable tips, frameworks, and action steps that you can take today to improve your health, specifically involving sleep, nutrition, a daily routine, exercise, and stress management, all the things that we love to talk about around here. When you listen, there's two things that are really important here. One, and we'll talk about it. You need to understand and decide why your health matters to you, which may mean some deep reflection time. If you're listening when this is getting posted, we're in the holidays, you might have a little bit more time than usual. Really great time to really sit, think, and reflect of what your health means to you and kind of in the inverse, what would it mean to you if you did not have your health and if you were sick all the time? And then two... Listening to this, you need to start small and choose a couple of things to improve. Don't try to do everything at once. There's a lot of helpful frameworks here. I would pick a couple of things and start from there. So before we start, if you get anything out of these episodes that positively affects you or contributes to your health, I'd love to know either with a message on Instagram or a podcast review. Otherwise, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and follow us to stay in the know And now, Dr. Anthony. What's up, Dr. Anthony? Thank you so much for coming on today. Man, I'm so happy to be here and grateful that you had me today. I'm excited to get started. So where are you you hailing from today? So I'm based out of Scottsdale, AZ, and um, it's a beautiful time of the year here in the fall. We finally got the good weather. We got through the summer. And as I was telling you before we actually hit record, I visited Charleston this summer with my family. And I was just shocked at like the contrast of the desert weather versus your guys' humid summer weather. Um, absolutely loved it. One of those beautiful cities, so much for history and the food is amazing. And I was also getting absolutely crushed by the humidity. It is okay to say that you hated it because August and September here, <laughs> like I don't want to go outside. It's so miserable. It definitely is something, but you know, I think it just made up for it with the just general beauty of the place and all the history and of course the food. So I was grateful to explore your neck of the woods. Okay. Well, we're happy to have you. I would recommend visiting in March or April and then October was really, was really great this year. Nice. Yeah. So are you originally from Scottsdale? Yep. Well, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Actually. (laughs) Actually, nope. 
I live here and I've been here for so long that my initial answer was yes, but I was born in upstate New York, Syracuse, New York. And I think it's a nice segue into kind of explaining my story and why I do this health and fitness work for dads and moms over 40. You know, I was born in Syracuse, New York, and I had a very average childhood. What was unique about my childhood, though, is I watched my dad basically work himself to the bone. He got very unhealthy and he was basically just busting his butt to provide. And in the process, he lost his health. He got a cancer diagnosis and he ended up dying at 42 years old. And I was nine at the time. And to see him go through that just like absolutely rocked my world. Wow. So you've very personally been affected by this. 100%. And I'm a dad now too. So there's just such a meaning that I have now with how integrated health needs to be. And if we look around, and I'm sure you can completely agree with this, it's not that there's a lack of information out there on what we should be doing. I mean, there's your podcast and hundreds others. There's so many diet books and we all know we should exercise more. It's a behaviors game. And we need to figure out how to integrate this into our busy lives in a way that's sustainable. So that's really like the art of health as opposed to the science of health. Plenty of info on the science, but how do you actually get that into an artful form that flows? So I think that's where more of the needle can move for people. And also, I think it's important for people to get a wake-up call, especially parents, about there's deeper reasons why to prioritize your health. Because many of us, as we get older, you know, it gets, it gets more challenging on many different fronts. And many of us don't have a good a motivational root on why we should even re really take this seriously. So I help shake people up, get them on these amazing health plans, help them get successful, and then create a new culture for their families. That's a great point you made about like having a motivational root, which I think so many people teaching healthcare have. Like we all have gone into healthcare because yeah. something happened to us or a loved one or a friend that kind of charged us on this path. Which makes me wonder for you, how old were you, did you say, when your dad got nine died? Years, nine years old when my dad died. Yeah. So in, in nine years old, like you're still kind of very much so, like forming who mm. you are, you know, probably probably still are. But yeah. what do you think, what path were you on before that happened? I'd say just generally good kid into sports, trying hard at school. What, what really happened though is, you know, it's tough to say, cause like in nine, you can say you're kind of amorphous. You're, you know, I was in the fourth grade, I believe at that time playing sports, we just moved from the East coast to Arizona. So that's kind of how I made my way out there. And it was a lot of newness. And then my dad died. So what it did ignite in me is a, is a strong motivational fire because I had so much emotion, so much pain. And I was able to, you know, through, you know, God's blessings, my own hard work kind of transmute that into something that ultimately was very positive. But I think the same thing, whether or not someone's had such a shaping experience, like many healthcare providers have, people need to like get across the chasm where I want you to picture like a Venn diagram, like those two circles that kind of intersect. I think most people look at their health as like one circle and the rest of their life as another circle. And then you feel like you have two things to juggle. And then you would kind of have the thought, oh, I don't have the time. But like that is a complete logical fallacy, right? Or not even a logical fallacy. It's just not true. Like we are embodied beings. We have these bodies the quality of the energy, our mobility. We take that with everything we do. It colors every character of every interaction. It's the basis of our energy and our presence and our confidence and our ability to interact. So it's really just one circle. It does, it's collapses upon itself. And I think that's what the motivational work does is helps people connect. How is your health tied to your ability to be a parent? How is your health tied to your ability to make money at your job, to feel spiritually aligned, to contribute, to be a good role model, to you know be a good family member? Like, when you start to make these new neuro associations, you can kind of collapse those two circles into one thing. And that means you have different neural circuitry behind the decisions. And that also means the next time you're late at night and you want to go get the ice cream or the chips or whatever your thing is, like there's a little more weight to that decision. And then, you know, there's a training and retraining process that must happen. It is in the dojo of action, but this deeper layer of mental, emotional connection is, is paramount in my experience. Yeah, that hits hard for me coming off of like five days of being sick. And mm. whenever I'm sick, you know, you literally can't do anything. And you, I always think like, wow, we really take our health for granted. For and sure. we really don't, we never take the time to think about what would happen if we don't feel good, if we don't have health, because we just wake up every day. And it, it always makes me realize like, I normally feel pretty freaking good. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to picture, you know, how does your health help you do this? But like flipping it, how would sickness affect this? What if mm -hmm. you were just out of commission? Because like the last five days weren't restful. I wasn't able to, 
you know, give in my relationships or give in my business. Mm -hmm. Like you are out of commission. And I don't think people really weigh the negative side of that. Well, that's exactly what we do before we get people on any nutrition or exercise protocol is we run them through a reflection and journaling exercise that does exactly that. Basically, some of the questions and reflections would be, if you stay the same course you're on right now, like what do things look like in five years from now, 10 years from now? And we build up some of this pain because we need to build up that that pain neuroassociation because it's one of the, the most potent drivers to get us to change our actions and our behavior. And also it's not everyone's fault that we don't think this way because it's literally just a bias of the human brain and nervous system and how it works based on just how we want to be energetically efficient. We respond to short-term issues and we basically discard long-term things. So that smoldering inflammation in your cardiovascular system is a long-term problem that most people are not thinking about. And then the other thing is I think because I work with people in their forties, fifties, sixties and beyond, like they've had a decade of stress and buildup and bad habits where you just like, you almost forget what it feels like to feel amazingly vibrant. It's like the water is kind of slowly increasing in temperature. And then you're just used to kind of feeling like blah all the time, achy, all this. And then what's amazing is when people clean things up within the first month, you can start feeling amazing, but within six months, you can really like completely turn things around and feel absolutely fantastic is you'll realize how bad you were feeling when you start to feel better. And I know you're going to, you're having that exact experience just through the lens of, of sickness. Yeah. Are you ever surprised when people think that that's just how they were supposed to feel? Like that's just normal. I feel like people say all the time, like, well, I'm 40 now, so I guess this is it for me. That's just culture, right? I mean, that's culture. And we have a cultural reinforcement right now of like what it looks like to age poorly, but it could be totally different. Just like we've had, you know, terrible cultural components, like there's been periods of time in many countries where there's been like rampant racism, or people believe certain things. It's just like a, it's a mind thought that kind of just gets infiltrated into the collective consciousness and understanding and the expectation. And part of the problem is we have a healthy, unhealthy society with unhealthy inputs. And most people are over 40 or on prescription medications. I think 50, 60% of people are overweight with a couple different metabolic issues, you know, blood sugar issues, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. And so when that becomes the norm, then you obviously look around and you're like, ah, everyone else is kind of here, but that doesn't mean it's like what the true path and trajectory of the body when given the right input should be. So it's, it's kind of a reflection integration of our culture. And then it kind of seeps into people's minds and then you're okay to be kind of mediocre because you're just kind of part of the crew and how it works. But Life could be so much more than just that, you know, and it, it could be so much deeper and so much more connected and, and you can have your best years, I believe, you know, 40 plus right at this point, especially when your kids get out of the house, you have all this wisdom. And if you can keep your body healthy, oh my gosh, you could have an amazing back half. It doesn't have to be a downhill from that point in midlife. Oof. Um, you, yeah. Saying, you know, like it doesn't, you don't have to be mediocre. And I think people mistake normal for healthy mm. and our normal, like the bar has just gotten so low and we have just accepted less and less and less for ourselves because we see it all around us mm -hmm. and society tells us it's normal. And we also, like you mentioned the Venn diagrams, we, we very much view them. It was a great visual. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We very much view them as separate and that they're combative and that you have to choose and that one's going to hurt the other. And yeah. we're also, you know, I am always still surprised and that growing up was just kind of like weirded out by the fact that everyone's in this like hustle. We work, we work, we work until we get to retire. And then yeah. when we retire, then we can enjoy our lives. But what we see is, is usually the complete opposite. You're so miserable. And then you retire and you're finally like, well, now I can freaking rest and deal with all my health issues. And then you <laughs> don't have much more to give. It's such a crazy system that we all are kind of waking up. At least you're in my generation. Like we're, we're opting out. I think we've seen, you know, our parents and grandparents go through that and like, it's not what we want for ourselves. Um, and, and I think there is a degree of like sacrifice that's required with becoming an adult and in a degree, a high degree, especially if you become a parent and you have kids and you work and you need to trade your energy and your time to, to create some kind of income generation to, to be able to work. But there's ways to do that with a body and a mind that feels joyful, doing the same exact work that feels energetic, that feels connected. And that comes down to your habits, your choices and your daily decisions. And this is something that's interesting to also think about, like 
regardless of if you eat unhealthy or you eat healthy food, you're still eating throughout the day. And so if we can just take that and let's just say people are eating three meals per day, seven days a week, and that might not be the case for everyone, but that's 21 meals. If we could even set up a system that made two thirds of those meals, a standardized breakfast and a healthier lunch, you just knocked out two thirds of those meals. And if we pick healthy foods you actually enjoy and it's turnkey, uh, that can be like the biggest needle mover in your life moving forward is we've just knocked out two of those two thirds of those meals. We made them super healthy. If the rest of it just stays the same, you could create such a massive trajectory change. Like it doesn't have to be this sweeping all or nothing going on the crazy diet, getting into the gym six, seven days per week, overhauling everything, because obviously that doesn't work. If it did, we wouldn't have this perpetuation of the yo-yo dieting and people struggling so much. So the, you're going to eat food. It's a kind of nature of the body. It requires tending. So we can just upgrade your daily routine and focus on what does a day look like for you and how do we make it a little bit healthier and how do we make it a lot more consistent? That stacked over time is going to change the game for people. Yeah, people often fall into the all or nothing trap. And that's why we're at this standstill of, you know, looking at the the other side of the diagram from across the chasm because we're like, mm -hmm. well, I've tried that before. I tried the diet. I tried the gym. I tried all these things at once and it just didn't work for me. And so I guess, you know, I just don't have time for it. I don't, I don't have money that's for exactly it. exactly right. Yep. That's the mental, that's the mental defense that comes up after trying plans that are not really dialed in. So if you're open to it, I think we can maybe talk about a day that might help people like visualize, at least in my experience and how we kind of program and design things for fit fathers and fit mothers, how we go through that. Is that cool? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I, it's amazing to me, like how life is designed. Like it's, it's, we have years, but those years are broken down into weeks and those weeks are broken down into days. And so the day is like the unit building block. And so far as like a cell is a building block of our bodies, like the day is a unit building block in, in terms of time measurement of our lives. So if we can learn how to have healthy days or healthy cells, we end up having a healthy life or a healthy body. And the day starts off in that morning momentum because something about human behavior that's just so true is like when you're doing really well, it's actually easier to do healthier things. Or if you start your day off like stressed, eating wrong foods, your blood sugar is dysregulated, it's easy to make bad choices later in the day. So we help like people really nail the morning. And what the body needs first thing in the morning is hydration and a little bit of light movement, uh, which is really very helpful. We want to move the lymphatic system, get some circulation going. And so this could be a morning walk. This could be just like bouncing up and down, doing some of your physical therapy stretches or activities, breathing through your nose, ideally getting outside and getting some sunshine. But just mentally getting people to the point where you check a little bit of a morning movement box and this is not working out. This is just morning movement. It's what the body requires to kind of get the system activated. And if you can breathe through your nose while you're doing that, you're setting this really good relaxed tone and you're going to get the body energized. And then we recommend people drink 20 to 32 ounces of water within 30 minutes of getting up. And this is just like a really powerful habit because duh, everyone knows we need to hydrate, but most people are not hydrating enough. And that big bolus of water early in the morning tends to help the system on many fronts. It actually helps the digestive system. People tend to feel more energetic. And if you can just put that space in there in the morning before you reach to your morning coffee or whatever you do in the morning is your regular routine. It's also a conscious act every single day of saying today, I am doing something that I know is great for my body. Boom chug back that water. And if you want to supercharge it with some minerals, you're going to get even greater benefits. So just that little start is powerful. It's, I almost consider it like a prayer in a sense. It's just your body, your way of saying today I'm investing in my health. Boom. You kick back the water, maybe get some movement. That's how you start your day. I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was the, the choice that by doing those things, you're consciously choosing, Yes, I'm choosing my health today. And I think that is the most powerful thing tone right? that you can set every single day. I love this. Yes. Well, for sure, because it reinforces that good neuroassociation that you want, but it also can shift momentum if things are going a little bit awry. Like, let's say that we were over the weekend and it's Sunday morning, you went out with friends and family and you had pizza and you had three beers and that was not the plan, but it, it happened the next morning. What often happens to people is they get in these vicious cycle where they just go off the rails and have another day that's it's keeping this negative momentum, but that water and that little bit of moment conscious choosing can help shift that momentum. So it doesn't become a full week off the plan. It just becomes, you had a free meal, you had a cheat meal, no big deal back on the plan. So that's key. Now, the thing that we are huge proponents of is standardizing your first meal of the day. 
because we believe when it comes to nutrition, you want to balance both consistency and variety. And we can understand why you can't just eat chicken breast and avocado for the rest of your life and love it. But you also don't want to have enough inconsistency and everything's just up to the, you know, the wind and wherever you want to have it at any moment, because there's no traction there. And I think the first meal of the day is one that should be massively standardized. And in fact, I've talked to hundreds of people who are super healthy, like health professionals like you, and most people have a standardized meal number one. And this could be at breakfast with your family. You could intermittent fast and have it later in the day. The timing is going to be what works best for your schedule and when you exercise or how you want to have that. But that first meal should be completely dialed in. I'll give you some examples of what we think are good things to eat in that first meal. I'm a big fan of people who are super busy blending up these power smoothies of sorts. Like you can throw a bunch of great stuff in there. Some almond milk, berries, hemp seeds, protein powder, any kind of superfood stuff that you want, cacao powder. And point being is you can make a delicious smoothie that will keep you full, has a ton of vitamins, minerals, healthy fats, protein, maybe some MCT oil in there. Either way, healthy smoothie is a great option. Um, egg-based recipes, phenomenal option for most people. You know, there's so many ways you could prepare them, but you can do the eggs and fruit or eggs and avocado or eggs in a high quality, you know, organic toast, like a sprouted Ezekiel bread could be fine. Um, overnight power oatmeal is great for people too. If you're, if you're plant-based, that's a good thing too. You can get some high quality steel cut oats, throw some stuff in there. But the idea here is not the specific foods are as important as having a consistent meal. Number one, because that's a behavioral hook every day after the ripple of the water. Now you have a behavioral hook to have a consistent first meal. And if you just did that and we left everything else the same, you've literally partitioned out one third of your meals, potentially for the rest of your life, they're going to be healthy and you don't have to think about it. So there's not a lot of cognitive load and choice bias. And ideally you make it something you enjoy and it's really turnkey. So it works with your family schedule. So the standardized meal number one is, is so good. And not so you have that every single day. So maybe on the weekend you have something different with the family, you do a more elaborate breakfast and, and whatnot, or you go out to eat, that's fine. But like Monday through Friday, when you're in your normal work routine, like standardize that first meal. And Hannah, I want to ask you, do you have a standardized meal? Number one? Oh my God, for sure. I was right? like, I didn't really realize that I had been doing this, but <laughs> so yeah. I have had, I have two eggs, two pieces of turkey bacon. I always try to get yeah. them uncured, uh, but I yeah. am wondering if, if that's the best option. And then I have a carb and the carb is the thing that I like to switch up, but it's either cool. either oatmeal. Sometimes I have, like you'd mentioned the toast. Sometimes if I'm really feeling fun, I'll do a bagel or like make that into a sandwich. But it's always mm -hmm. like, I have such a routine of like, I wake up and I basically just like turn on the stove and yeah. I'm like, okay, like this is what I'm going to make. It's, yeah. I know what I'm buying from the store. It's also like, it's easy to make. It's relatively cheap. It's good. I don't have to think about it. And then- yep. On the weekend, I can add, maybe I'll add some avocado, maybe I'll add some cheese, exactly. maybe I'll add something that's fun that just takes out a lot of thought and it sets the foundation because I've already gotten a lot of my, not a lot, I've gotten a good amount of calories and macros sure. in. If I don't have that breakfast, I'm like struggling by nine and then I'm struggling at noon and three and then seven. Like it just, it's again, like it sets the tone. Yeah, you, you actually do it. And I love what you did because that's even kind of next level is you have like a, a framework of the eggs plus rotating carbohydrates. So that's, I think, absolutely brilliant. And I love that on the weekends, it might be a little more playful and do a couple more things. And this is also a meal that you can get anytime you're traveling. So your routine actually has an anchor of consistency because you could be at any hotel anywhere and have them make you up some eggs with a side of fruit or eggs and toast and whatever. So there's such stability in that morning routine for you that I absolutely love. And now a big thing that well, wait, uh, what's yours mine yeah. depends on what depends on like I flow through it, but like a lot of times I do the protein smoothies. A lot of times I do the eggs and avocado and sometimes I'll throw some berries on the side, but basically the same thing. It's I'm rotating between either a, some kind of high quality protein smoothie or eggs and avocado. And then sometimes I will intermittent fast, but still have that, those same meals as my first meal. And that'll come in maybe at like 10 30, 11. So, nice. but either way, standardized meal number one, super important. So if someone's listening to this and you don't have that like dialed in, get it dialed in. And then my suggestion too, would be to make the meal more protein, protein and healthy fat forward. So, which is exactly the combination of like the eggs, uh, you know, the eggs are great because they have the healthy fats and the protein for sure. The protein smoothie can be great because it has a lot of those ingredients. You don't want to go too, too heavy on the carbs in the morning. You know, want to keep that blood sugar pretty stable and naturally you have higher cortisol levels in the morning, which was going to liberate some blood sugar anyways. So it's a time to focus on protein and healthy fats. Um, and then between lunch or between breakfast and lunch, 
like fast. I think this is a key point that I want people to understand, especially like as we get older, the process of aging well is going to be largely contingent upon having stable blood sugar. Like we do not want to have radical blood sugar, not just because it makes us feel poor from an energy perspective, but because a lot of the diseases of aging come down to when we have too much sugar in the blood that sticks to certain kinds of things. When it's in our vessels, it can contribute to inflammation. And then we have, you know, oxidized cholesterol and all this. When it's in, when it's in the brain, we can have these kind of plaques and basically glycation. There's these things called advanced glycation end products, AGEs, which is basically like sugar stuck to stuff. So we don't want to be elevating our sugar excessively all the time. So between meals fast. And so don't, don't snack is basically what I want to tell people. I think there's a lot of people that are constantly grazing and snacking and the system is better at having discrete meals, allowing metabolism and digestion to happen. And then kind of going through the process of having some stability. And then for lunch, whatever that meal is for people, whatever time that is, I love to standardize it as well. And I think a couple kind of concepts that work well for people are protein salads, like greens with protein. You can get that anywhere. It could be a healthy sandwich. You can get some organic sourdough or organic sprouted Ezekiel bread and make whatever kind of sandwich you want. It could be leftovers from your dinner the night before or a healthy protein bowl of sorts. So if you just kind of get a couple rotation options in there, you can get really consistent. And now we're getting into the realm of like, you might have standardized two thirds of your meal. And you might be thinking, well, we're getting a little intense, but I'm going to tell you that for dinner, we can, well, I'll teach you a framework here for our listeners, but it can have a lot of variety. And if you stay consistent pretty much in the AM in the afternoon, and you have more variety in dinner. It tends to work really well for people. So another question for you, Hannah, do you have, do you have standardized lunch or some go-to lunches that work for you? It's normally like based on a framework. I really just rely on having protein, carb, fat, and a vegetable. Um, yep. mostly cause you are supposed to eat vegetables, but I don't always enjoy them. <laughs> um, but I normally prep something at the beginning of, of the week, uh, depending on how I'm feeling. And then I just eat it like a robot every yeah. single day. Yeah, but that's good. I mean, I'm sure like, do you do that? Like, do you have more variety on dinner or do you pretty much uh, like have dinner pretty much dialed in, in that standpoint too? So I went through a time where I was like super dialed in. Um, and these days I just like, I get sick of things a little bit more. So I like having dinner um, as my like kind of fun option because like one, I do enjoy cooking and meal prepping. Everything doesn't really feel like cooking. It feels like uh, work. Um, So it's nice to have an option, but it's always like, again, like the same framework. Yeah, for sure. And so the framework that we teach for dinner is called a perfect plate. If you imagine a blank plate of food, and you feel half of that plate with some kind of veggie you love, a quarter with some kind of protein, and a quarter with some kind of healthy carb, you can make tons of meals. So I'll give a Southern example. You could have some fried okra or some oh kind my, of sauteed okra. I love okras, fried okra. <laughs> right? So okra on the side, and maybe it's not fully fried, but yeah. some kind of some kind of sauteed or, or some greens on the side. You have any kind of protein you love. This could be great seafood. This could be chicken, steak, turkey, tofu, tempeh, whatever. And then you can even have your healthy carb if for your carb side, it could be something like grits, it could be potatoes, it could be rice of many varieties. And there's certain carbs are going to be slightly healthier than others, but it's more about the portion. So if you make a perfect plate, half veggies, quarter protein, quarter carbs, almost invariably, all those plates are going to be 500 to at max eight, 900 calories. If you start to do some more cheese and some more fried stuff, but point being for most people, that's going to be a pretty calorie balanced dinner meal. That's going to fit in an overall calorie target without you necessarily needing to count the macros. Cause if you do a healthy breakfast, it's going to be around 500 calories. If you do a healthy lunch, it might be around 600 calories. And then you have, you know, a, a dinner of uh, even up to a thousand calories. We're still only sitting around 2,100 calories. Now it's not about the calories completely, but I'm just trying to show you that these these conceptual frameworks that we've done are more or less going to get you in a pretty good calorie range without you needing to do a lot of tinkering past that. And let alone if you go ahead and you're doing some age appropriate exercise as well and walking more like you can see how this all starts to really come together for people in a simple way that really works. Yeah, I think what people forget or just they, they don't realize is they'll have like one egg and they're like, oh, I had breakfast for sure. And like, I, I'm personally a big snacker and I think there's a lot of cases where snacking can be helpful and appropriate, but I yeah. think a struggle with people is that they have one egg or they have half a bagel and like, that is it. And then they ha- they have yeah. their coffee and like, you don't have any protein to stabilize that out. And then they're starving. They're in such a deficit. And now you throw, we work with a lot of active people. Let's mm-hmm. throw in a 9am CrossFit class to right. that chaos. 
And then they get to lunch and they're like, oh my God, I'm still starving. But then they eat 200 calories. And yep. it's like, they may get to dinner and then just completely, you know, totally. finish it out or they get to dinner and they still haven't eaten enough. And I feel like, I love that you started with nutrition because I feel like it is this, it's such an important piece of the puzzle that we don't get education on, but it is like foundationally, if you have your nutrition, not necessarily even like dialed into the max, but just like under wraps, Yes, like you are some going kind of to routine, be for sure. like set up for so much more health and success than someone who has, you know, no idea what they're doing. Well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because exercise is something you need to literally add into your life. You got to make time, some time in your schedule. You got to know what you're doing. You got to know your exercise. You can go do it. It's an investment of energy. You're going to eat either way. And so if you don't have a healthy nutrition plan dialed in, that means by default, you're doing things that are not good for your body. And after 40, like pretty much you, you are, you're focused on controlling inflammation in your body and maintaining a good, healthy weight. And nutrition is the thing that's going to create inflammation in your body. If you're eating the wrong foods, if you're eating a lot of fried foods, a lot of unhealthy oils, too much sugar, too many calories, or just not eating enough. And you're having this whole like binge and not eat enough cycle. Like that is going to be devastating. There's no amount of fitness that we're going to throw at you over 40. That's going to sustainably overcome that. So nutrition is foundational. And that's why I definitely want to start here too. And I want to comment on snacking too. Like I believe the time to have a snack is in the in the the time between lunch and dinner. Because like if you have lunch at noon and dinner at six, like it's a good idea to have something small. We call them like afternoon mini meals. You know, it could be we love like fruit and nuts and jerkies, some kind of healthy bars that are that are solid and could be eggs, cottage cheese, you know, you know, Greek yogurt, things like this. Like protein and healthy, you know, things are are solid in the afternoon. But beyond that you know, it, it's better for your body. I'm just telling you straight up metabolically to have discrete meals, allow digestion to happen versus like having a half bite of bagel every two hours throughout the time would be not nearly as good for your system as having a discrete meal and allowing all that the processing to happen. I don't know who can just have a bite of a bagel. They're just crazy already. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely support like people should. I like the idea of a mini meal because it's really like anytime we eat, it's really helpful to just like have this framework. Like if you're going to have the bagel or the bite of the bagel, like let's have the Greek yogurt. Let's have the yes. cottage cheese. Let's throw totally. in the protein. Most of us are probably protein deficient. And most of us are probably like, well, I don't really need that. And so I think adding protein, like literally any chance that we get yes. um, can be super helpful. Totally. So I think that's like a good enough point on nutrition. Then I'll just say between meals, drink a lot of water. And then try not to eat too late. I think it can negatively impact sleep. And um, and it's also a good idea to like, we know that fasting has benefits and that doesn't need to be like dramatic fasting, but even having dinner and having some discipline around you had your dinner meal and maybe you have a little bit of a, a bite of a healthy dessert and that's you have a sweet tooth, you have some dark chocolate, you have a little bit of frozen fruit or something like this. Okay. But after that, allow your body to get into this kind of fasted state. And if you can honestly stop eating three, four hours before you go to bed, you're going to sleep better. There's a lot of good metabolic processes that happen better when your blood sugar is not elevated at night. Um, and then you can just go on to the next day. You start the day off with the water, maybe some morning movement, and then you have your first meal. And now you have a rhythm that you can start to work. And the goal is not to be perfect, but it's to have a guiding line that you can come back to and keep on practicing. And I'll tell you this, if you're listening to this and you believe you have 30 to 50 plus pounds to lose that you'd like to release from your body, just doing this alone, what we described here on this podcast can be game changer. I mean, you could lose 10 pounds in the next one to two months, just doing these nutrition tune-ups. Like it's that powerful. So what would you say to someone? Cause we talked about before people maybe feeling like overwhelmed or all or nothing. If someone listened to that and they were like, Oh my God, that's so different than what I'm currently doing. What would be like the best place to start? Yeah. Well, you got like, what we did is we basically laid out like what those plans are. Here's what I'd say. You got to answer these questions for yourself. One, what is your, when are you going to eat your meals? This is the scaffolding. It's the meal timing setup. Are you a breakfast, lunch, snack, and dinner? Are you an intermittent fasting person? You want your first meal at 11? Like decide when those discrete feeding times are because that's the scaffolding. Just so insofar as we have a body that's built on a skeleton scaffold that then the muscles hang off of and move, the meal timing is the skeleton scaffold of your nutrition plan. So we need to decide what those times are because that makes it a schedule and that makes it proactive. So that's step number one. Step number two is, okay, for the meal number one, like what is going to be your go-to meal? 
Like what sounded good? Do you want to make a smoothie? Do you want to make an egg recipe and decide what that is, especially for the first one to two weeks as you're kind of prepping and learning this, like make a standardized meal, just pick one option and start to make it. So if it's an eggs and fruit recipe or eggs and toast, you're going to need to make sure those are on your grocery list, buy some eggs, buy some toast, and just know how many you're having of each of those. As for someone starting off, it could be, you know, let's just say you have two pieces of toast with three eggs, any style, like that would be fine. And if you're still hungry, have a half an av avocado. That'd be a wonderful breakfast to start for people. It's going to be around 35 grams of carbs, you know, you, and you can even add more eggs if you want to that. But point being is like dial in that what that first meal is. I would say for lunch, decide if you're going to have the salad, the sandwich or leftovers from dinner. And then, you know, would be the second thing to decide on that. And then dinner, like you kind of said, is a protein and veggie focus forward. So what kind of proteins do your family like? Buy those in bulk. What kind of veggies do you like? Buy those in bulk and then cook those. So I understand for the purpose of just us going through a quick conversation, like it's, you know, it's a lot maybe to take in, but like what we do with fit dads and fit moms, a huge part of our program and what we do is like walk people through this process. And we've done it with over a hundred thousand families in, in over a hundred countries. And like, we have a whole process. It works incredibly well. So there are, there are support and resources beyond just this conversation. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's always individualized too. And that's yeah. like one of the most helpful pieces is that you're going to sit with them and figure out, okay, what is your first step? And maybe yeah, their sure. first step is is going to the store or learning yeah. how to cook it. And yeah. so I think I would encourage people to find like what is a couple what are a couple things that you can do based on that to just get closer to that framework. And clarity is what you need. You need to know you need to be clear about if you jive with the framework that we described here, like you need to be clear about what's happening in those meals. So if you, whatever questions need to be asked to get the clarity is, is going to help you there. Yeah. Moving on. I want to know more about how you help people, especially over 40, stay active and healthy and fit. And especially today's world. For sure. I think one thing that we're huge proponents of is the idea that there's a difference between daily activity and formal workouts. Both are beneficial, but daily activity is more important. And if you look around like to the pockets of longevity around the world, the centenarians, the people who live in these blue zones, like Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, Loma Linda, California, these people are not doing CrossFit or P90X, but they are gardening, walking around. They have very active lives they're accumulating steps in motion. And so a big hurdle, because people are so busy, particularly busy parents over 40, like they're like, ah, I don't have the time to exercise. Well, the first thing we say is, okay. Cool, but you can absolutely check your daily movement box and find a way to like at least get that mental framework in where you're always just trying to move more. And this is walking. Like walking is the most foundational, probably most important exercise that any human can do. And if you walk outside, you get tremendous benefits to calming the nervous system down. You get the benefits of midday sunshine if you're getting out during that time. And you can always accumulate steps throughout the day. So we we are we try to drill it into people, walk as much as you possibly can. And look, if you're very unfit, if your if your joints hurt, it's going to be hard to start strength training and exercise. There's a process, obviously, to getting up and going on that. But most people can do some degree of walking and build up some strength that way. So we, we were a huge proponents of walking, even fit people, even someone listening to this who's like, man, I'm well beyond walking. I am 50. I do CrossFit a couple times per week. I'm crushing it. Like, I still recommend you walk more. Walking after meals is great for stabilizing your blood sugar. Walking in the morning and glancing at the sun, that sunshine that hits your eyes actually creates serotonin in the brain that makes you feel great. And later in night, that gets converted to melatonin. So point being is like walk more daily motion is, is the key. And when, and then the question to have people think about is when are you going to walk? Are you a morning walk person? Can you walk in the afternoon during your lunch break? If that's how your work schedule set up, can you walk with the family after, you know, after dinner? And there's pretty much no amount of walking, like walk as much as you possibly can and accumulate steps. That's, that's number one. Number two, what we get into is, is understanding that when it comes to exercise after age 40, we need to be training strength, cardio, and mobility. And we really want to be focusing on those fundamental motions that we need to be strong at as we age, squatting, hip hinging, pulling and pushing overhead, pulling and pushing away from our body. So every way the body naturally moves in space, we need to train. So practically speaking, this means building exercise plans around squats, deadlifts, push-ups, shoulder presses, rows, these kind of fund fundamental motions. And the way we program is using a combination of strength training and cardio in one we call the metabolic resistance training. So basically strength circuits where you might go from some swings, some kettlebell dumbbell swings into some squats, into some shoulder presses, into some rows, and you do exercise in a circuit fashion. 
The benefit of that is you can get a lot of motion done in a short amount of time. Like these workouts can be 30 minutes. All they require is a pair of dumbbells and kettlebells. And, you know, they can really, really transform your body and your health very rapidly. Um, and there's always with exercise a trade-off between intensity and time. Like you can have a short workout that's very intense. It gives you phenomenal benefits. Or you could walk for like an hour and a half and get some great benefits as well. So metabolic resistance training is what we do. And we're also a big fan of all the different physical therapy stuff that people need to be working on after 40 to make sure their knees, shoulders, low back, neck, all these things are functioning properly. Yeah. I mean, the main thing, if we really, you know, if we really want to prevent going to physical therapy, it's taking all those walks and it's continuing to strength train and, and, yep. and move your body through a full range of motion. Like again, yep. coming off being sick, I literally sat in the same position for five days and I'm like, this is what people do who, who, you know, are sedentary and have desk jobs and, and don't work out and don't exercise. And like, you think about if you just like didn't raise your shoulder overhead for a few years, like what would happen? Yeah, you would right. lose the ability to do that. And I think people don't understand like, yeah, use it or lose it, whatever. But really as you age, like you have to start looking at these workout movements that we're typically just seeing in the gym and understanding the role that they play yes. in your day-to-day -day life and walking up the stairs and picking up your kids and sitting in a chair and sitting on the toilet, like standing up by yourself. You don't want to not be able to do that because you didn't squat, deadlift, push, pull, carry when yep. you were 30 and 40. And you exactly. mentioned the, the walking. That's something that um, I am working on personally because I realized although I have my hour, hour and a half of fitness at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, other than that, you know, I don't really have anything else. And I think our technology and modern society has done a really great job of just taking out all of our natural opportunities for movement. Like yeah. I don't garden. I don't, we don't hang mm -hmm. our laundry up on the line. <laughs> I don't even really stand at the stove for a while or like reach and, and cook, you know, and it's all these little things that we've taken out. But when you look at these blue zones and you look at people that have this amazing longevity, you're, they're not going to a boutique fitness studio and sitting on a spin bike. They're just moving so much and using their bodies like the way that they were designed their whole life. But we've yep. tried to pack it all in, in this like 45 minute dark room yep. at the beginning or the end of the day. And we're like, well, we did it. We checked it. Yeah, you're so right. And I'll say this to, to the, to the point of the modern society, it's good to get that high intensity exercise either in your, in your garage, in your basement, or in the dark room at the spin class, whatever high intensity exercise, sprinkle it throughout the week. I mean, if you're over 40, you can do this two, three times a week, ideally strength training and get phenomenal benefits. It's not like you need to be in the gym every single day. Although as you start to exercise, it becomes more fun. That is the good news. Um, <laughs> That's so, true. And then the other thing is like getting outside more, a lot of those blue zones, I don't think it can be dismissed that they have active lifestyles outside doing things outside. And there's benefits certainly to the vitamin D, the sunshine, but the more important thing is being outside typically shifts our nervous system into that parasympathetic, relaxed, healthy mode. And to live a long life, stress is going to be one of the greatest indicators, like stress that puts us into a constant sympathetic nervous system. It crushes your immune system raises your blood sugar levels, causes a whole bunch of long-term problems. Like the people that live the longest can keep their systems in a relaxed state. And I don't want people to, to overlook how powerful it is to get out into nature, to get that natural fresh air, to get the sunshine. It's an automatic switch to get you into that parasympathetic mode. And that is going to extend your lifespan. I think everyone can attest to that too. Just like how you feel when you go outside. Like there's a reason that so many of our vacations are designed right. around places where we can be yeah. outside for hours. Yeah. yeah, you nailed it, 100%. But and that also comes down to sleep, right? I think this is like a nice dovetail into this. Like exercise is important, but I but if I had to pick a hierarchy, I would say if someone's missing sleep and then trying to exercise and even trying to eat healthy, they're, they're pushing a giant ball uphill because we wanna be in this restored, relaxed state to live a long and healthy life. And the whole sleep hygiene stuff is massively important as we get older. And sleep can often get a little harder as we get older too. naturally, our melatonin levels decrease as we age. 
Um, people can have sleep issues, um, let alone stress of families, let alone bad habits with technology late at night. Cause we're trying to like escape and unplug and relax. So we're blasting ourselves with artificial light late at night. Like this is a huge area of optimization for most people. So what I'd suggest, and honestly, this is just, I wish, I wish I could tell you something different, but this is just how it is. It's natural law. When the sun goes down in your area and it's now dark outside, your, your house should be also dark, meaning more lamp light less overhead lights. And if you really want to optimize this stuff, you got to get those glasses, blue blocking glasses that filter out a lot of that light, because when we're crushing our melatonin production, this natural, this, this master nighttime hormone that is so much more important than we even realize melatonin. is not just good for helping us sleep and it's not just a supplement. Most of your white blood cells have melatonin receptors. Melatonin is probably besides vitamin D, one of the most potent immune regulating compounds on the planet. It also is produced in the digestive tract and it helps with your gut microbiome. It actually prevents the whole leaky gut inflammation scenario by tightening up tight junctions. And it gets completely suppressed by this artificial light that we're blasting at night. Um, and so it's not surprising. And it's not just the bad unhealthy foods that all the ultra processed foods we have in the last couple hundred years. It is also that we've gotten really desynced with the natural light cycles. Like that wasn't the case for humans a couple hundred years ago. This is a relatively new phenomenon that we've had this whole be able to desync from the natural light rhythm. And this body machine is so sensitively attuned to light. And I want to repeat this again, because there are so many people who feel anxious and they want to improve their mood and they take, you know, antidepressants, which increase serotonin. Literally your brain makes serotonin, this happy neurotransmitter in response to morning sunshine. And your brain literally makes melatonin in response to dark evening time. So like light is foundational into your eyes, into your brain for creating this whole cascade of neurochemicals. And if you're stressed in the morning, that morning sunshine also smooths out the cortisol rhythm, that natural cortisol spike, it smooths that out. And then the melatonin is phenomenal for not just uh, sleep, but also helps with weight loss. Um, it, they've shown overweight people who get good melatonin production and they supplement lose more weight. If you're sick, use melatonin. A lot of the natural protocols for some of the COVID stuff was like, zinc, NAC, quercetin, melatonin, and high dose vitamin D. Like it's, it's powerful in combination with these things. Yeah. I think like what I've started thinking about as you were talking and I, what I want everyone to just like pause and, and hear is that there's so many natural opportunities to improve your health. Like you're not saying, oh, there's this one thing and you got to get it from this store and it's really hard to get. And that's why I think sometimes it can be really frustrating is because we're like, here's all your options. Here's all the things that you could be doing to improve your health. But it's like, there are so many different ways and there's probably so many things that need improvement that like pick one and start. Like you really, yeah. as long as you understand that like it's a confounding effect and it's about habits and there's a lot of different pillars here, pick one thing that feels like the easiest and the most sustainable. And like, you know, just listening to you talk about the the way that we respond to light and the way that we respond to dark, like those things happen every single day, which means they every do. day, like we have an opportunity yes. to go improve our health, which I think is yes. just like an empowering feeling for sure. And I'll tell you this to kind of put a bow on it. It's really because our bodies are designed to be in accordance with natural law. We are biological organisms intricately connected with this planet, like all other creatures and the things that help the human thrive, just like if we're like, what helps a plant thrive? Well, a plant needs good soil. It needs light. It needs fresh air. And if it has these combination of things, it really thrives. Well, the human needs the proper light rhythm in the morning, and the evening, the light and the dark, we need good hydration. We need nourishing food and we don't, we don't, we can't be stressed all the time. We need to exercise our bodies. So this is just aligning us back to the fundamental natural law that our system is attuned to. So practically speaking for 21st century, busy parents, especially as we get older, this means in the morning hydration, focus on making that good, you know, gratitude, drink your water. I'm doing something good for my body. You're helping your body on a cellular level. It's also that reaffirmation that this is going to be a healthy day. Get your go-to meals in, get that standardized nutrition routine that you can work. doesn't need to be perfect, but it's mostly healthy protein forward, whole foods. Like now we're checking like the good soil box. That's good nutrition with the light. And now exercise, we're going to do daily movement by just walking and moving our bodies. It's good for your heart. It's good for connective tissue. And then you can sprinkle in that high intensity intermittent exercise. It's going to be a beautiful, healthy stress for your body. And you do this and you, you stay relatively, you know, happy and connected and 
unstressed, like you're going to live a long, healthy life. And, and unfortunately right now, none of that stuff will fortunately and unfortunately, fortunately, none of that stuff, it can be bottled in a pill and monetized by big pharmaceutical companies, which means it comes down to you taking charge of your routine, getting these habits in place, and then also making the connection on why this is so important for you and your family and your future. And it is your birthright to feel healthy. You, you start to check these boxes. You have the innate ability to thrive and to get healthier now than, than in, in five years, you can be healthier than you are today. Even if you're 55, like the body has an ab amazing ability to regenerate. It can get so much healthier. And I can say this with just confidence because we literally have people now in their seventies with six pack abs that were like a hundred pounds overweight in their sixties. So like the body can do this stuff. You just need to understand these inputs and then reflect from this conversation on where you're deviated and where you want to make some changes and also why it's so important for you. You do that. You're going to be on a great track from this. Yeah. You just have to choose, mm -hmm. you know, you have to, you have to know your why and you have yep. to make the active choice and understand there's consequences to any action. Yes. I think that we're just so often focused on the short term and the short term feeling. And like that is to an extent a little bit how we're wired, like, oh, I'm going to get a quick dopamine hit. But like, how is that going to affect you in a year, five years, 10 years from now? It's normally the opposite effect. 100%. And I'll tell you this, those immediate, those immediate pleasures of how good that first bite of chocolate cake tastes like as you get healthier, you're going to become so much, so much more connected to how good health feels. And you'll still be able to have that bite of chocolate cake, but you don't stay, you're not going to be as addicted. You're going to be able to break three from some of the things that have a big hold over you. And that's where I think health becomes a little more of in the spiritual dimension too, is this is body is the way we experience this life. And when we're able to create a degree of mastery over our bodies and get it where it feels very aligned, you're going to feel more connected, more happy, more in control and more peaceful. And like, who doesn't want those combination of things? Yeah. Like if you don't want those, then like, why are you listening to this? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So how do you feel like your program is so successful? Like what is the the thing that makes it just so great for people? You know, I think it's the process that we go people through. Like we kind of like did a, like a high level glaze over of some of the aspects, but it's like, because we've had the privilege of bringing so many people through the program and everyone's over 40 and a busy parent, like we've refined the process over 10 years to know like, okay, first you start off with the mindset mission statement work. You develop that. Okay. Next we get you on the nutrition. Here's how to go through the steps to get your nutrition plan. And here are some workouts that are age appropriate over 40 that are super effective for beginners and more advanced people. It's the formulaic stepwise process. And then the parallel track of that is we have a community of people who have all gone through the program and are still following it like tens of thousands of people. And we're all together in community sharing, posting vulnerably exchanging, you know, just like energy and motivation. So it's the combination of a really good curriculum that's been refined and it's very stepwise. And then the fact that you're a part of a community, because it's really easy to be unhealthy by ourselves in our rooms, depressed and disconnected. It's so much easier to be healthy when you're surrounded by other healthy people who you see and you can draw energy and inspiration from them. And eventually as you get on your health, you're going to inspire other people. So I think the community is a big aspect as well. Oh, well, yeah. And I mean, it's a huge part of our health too, just like relationships yeah. and social sure. support. Yep. With walking earlier, I have to know, are you one of those walking, walking pad guys during the day? Oh, so I, like guilty as charged. I used to have one of those walking treadmill things and I just never used it. So it's gone. Uh, I stand, but I do yeah. walk and I, okay. So this is something I, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in. We need to be synced up to the natural light and we actually want some of that midday UV light. The UV light is actually what gives us the vitamin D production and it helps us feel happier. So I'll take midday work break walks. So I'm not walking while I'm just standing here, but I do have a standing desk. And for me, that's a game changer for how good my back feels. Yeah, definitely. Just having all those different options to be able to move yeah. around. Yeah. I'm always wondering like uh, people in, in other jobs, like how do they get in all of those walks? Because sometimes like it's hard for people. Well, if you drink a lot of water, you're going to pee more too. That's kind of yes. like a benefit as well. So like drink a lot of water, then you pee more and then just get in the habit of like, be the type of person. And I, I just like that. If you're, if you have the option between the escalator and the stairs, take the stairs. And just because it's, again, just like the water is a little conscious act, 
it's not like taking the stairs once is going to get you fit. But if you become the type of person mentally, that's like, this is good for me. I'm going to take the stairs. I'm going to really feel my glute and my feet as I press up through here. And it's going to, it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes like a, a way of being where you're enabled, you're doing a little of the harder physical option because it's good for you and it becomes fun. Uh, and I, th I think that's the mentality that will serve people. Yeah. It's the, it's the choosing a new identity, like choosing, mm -hmm. I'm going to be the type of person that does this because then all of your actions start to fall in line with that new identity. And then it becomes a lot easier to change your behavior. Yeah. And I want to have a kind of like a final message for parents too, is like, this is such a beautiful opportunity, certainly to get yourself healthy because you have so much good life ahead of you, but also because your kids are watching you because your kids are absorbing the culture that you're setting down. They're modeling you, they're mirroring you. And like, you have such a massive potential to impact them by getting yourself healthy. It'll help them too. And it's a thing to change the culture of a family. If right now you know that you're overweight and your kids are not as healthy as they could be, the best way to help them get healthy and thrive is first to start with you. When they see you showing up, getting the exercise in, losing some weight, eating healthier foods, they're going to mirror and model that. And what is the impact impact on their trajectory of life? If they can get a little bit healthier now and see you do it and then want to you know, adopt that in their own life and time, what's the impact going to be massive, especially if you have young kids and you can start them out early because the converse is pretty rough. Like kids right now, we, we have childhood diabetes, type two diabetes right now. And it's, it's like not exactly rare either. Um, people are so stressed, depressed, and anxious on the technology these days. And that is going to have a big impact on how much your kids thrive. The body is inextricably connected to the mental health. And so uh, getting yourself healthy is going to help your kids. And I think that's, it's highly motivating for me. And I'm sure for someone listening to it is it, it will be as well. Yeah. I think looking at our, looking at the fact that like our kids are not thriving should be like, we're looking in the mirror and be like, oh, yeah. we're, we're causing this before we end. I want to know, is there an area of your health and wellness right now that you're working on improving? For sure. So I had a, we haven't gotten into this, but I, I had a tremendous accident. I was, I caused it myself. I was skiing very aggressively about seven years ago and I slammed into a tree going about 30 miles per hour Oof. and I, my right femur exploded into seven, eight pieces broke my arm and I've had to go through six reconstructive surgeries on my right leg, including a leg lengthening procedure where they put a magnetic rod in my leg and sawed it in half. And then for eight weeks, they, you know, six to eight weeks, they in increase the rod every day with this magnetic device. So I've had a, a lot of experience with my physical rehab and recovery through this. So I'm still continuing to improve the connective tissue in my knee. And so this means a lot of single leg work with the rehab, also stem cells in my knee. Um, but I haven't had it stop me from exercise. It's just like, I'm not doing heavy squats and deadlifts right now, but I'm still walking and riding my bike and still finding purpose in what I can do. So maybe that's a nice message for everyone who feels like, oh, I can't exercise because I have X. Like I hear you on that a thousand percent, but you can always find something that does work for you and make modifications. So for me, it's still healing the musculoskeletal aspect of my right leg and right knee. It's been through a lot but it also has taught me a lot. And, uh, in an interesting way, I'm still grateful that I created that experience because I'm better for it. Have you been skiing again? Yeah, I have. Heck I have. Yeah. Not, not like, not like an idiot though. I'm skiing more, more casually. But to be able to go back to the thing that you got injured during is a very big, like mental and physical obstacle. That's just like a huge part of the rehab process. So I'm glad that you were it able is. to do that. There's a healing aspect. There's a forgiveness aspect. There's uh, facing the fear aspect. And, uh, I think an ownership, at least in my case, like I completely caused the injury through irresponsible actions and skiing with my ego. So there was a lot of mental, emotional forgiveness that went along with the physical healing. And I'd say acceptance. It's a really interesting thing. Like, and I'm sure you can speak to this as well as anyone on this planet. When you're trying to heal something, there is both the dance of accepting exactly what is without denying it. Okay. You have a torn ACL or this is wrong with this but also holding at the same time, this desire for healing and, and wanting it to be better. It's you need to experience both because if you're in resistance to what is, it's not helpful and it, and it can impact healing negatively. So I'm in this interesting dance between loving the leg and the knee that I have, and also desiring it to be better, but also relax into the process that it's been so long, it'll happen in time. And, and this is okay too, even if the leg never gets as good as it was, like that is also okay. And it's also beautiful. And there's lessons to be learned from that. Like when you're 50, you may not ever be as fast or as strong as you were when you were 20. 
and that is okay. You can still find your new milestones, your new challenges, new, new benchmarks to date, and you can even be better than yesterday. And I think that's kind of how life works. Yeah. You said it best. I think that people don't realize there's a big part of grief plays a big role in injuries. And then just like in pain in general, when you maybe have a big injury or you kind of lose part of your identity because your back pain is preventing you from working out. And that can be very challenging. It can be very motivating, but it could also be very defeating and and everyone needs to process it, it differently. Yeah. Well said. Before we wrap up, this has been awesome, Anthony. I feel like I've learned a ton and I love that you've been able to break things down into really like, I think a very realistic and practical, and I can see like the stepwise manner. How can people find you and connect with you and get started working with you? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for guiding the conversation in the way you did. I really enjoyed it. And I think there's some really good stuff in here. If people enjoyed this and you want to connect with me and what I do with Fit Father Project and Fit Mother Project, there's a couple ways. Our websites, you can type in any search engine or just the URL bar is fitfatherproject.com or fitmotherproject.com, exactly as it sounds. And those are our men's and women's programs respectively. And on the websites, we have our free meal plans and free workouts. So as I was describing the type of exercise we have, we will send that straight to your email, as well as a sample of like what a full day looks like with recipes. All that's on the main website. So Fit Father Project and Fit Mother Project. And then our YouTube channels are great. I mean, across the two channels, I think we have close to a thousand videos, a lot of really good stuff, anywhere from meal prep, exercise, form guides, motivation. So also check us out on YouTube and subscribe there if you want to stay in contact. And uh, Hannah, thanks again for having me today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn from Dr. Anthony today. Check the show notes below to connect with him on his website and social media platforms. Otherwise, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and a great week.